Let's jump into the message. We're in our Courage series right now. We've sort of basically started this series at the beginning of the year because I felt like this was something that was very important for us as a church as we move into this season and into this year. And it's, it's important because I was kind of looking at it this week and as I was putting the message together. And, and I know we're maybe like a week or so off, but basically if you think about it, this is about the year mark when all this stuff really began to hit. Now I know you will say, well, it happened here earlier or whatever, but, but here we are basically, it's what, the 23rd, is that right? 23rd, 21st of February. And, and this is kind of when it started to be like, hey, maybe this, this whole corona thing is getting real and this is getting serious. And, and, and then they started to shut things down and all these things. And, and it has been a year of setbacks. It's been a year of, of, in some people's lives, crisis. I mean, people have lost their jobs. People have, have, have obviously passed away. I mean, this has been a year that I don't think any of us will forget. And there has been many, many challenges and many, many things that have been hard about it. But the thing is, when there are challenges and when there are, when there are setbacks and there's things like that, there is also a wonderful, amazing opportunity. And you go, well, Aaron, seriously, what, what is really the opportunity? Well, listen, I believe there's lots of opportunities and I believe that God is doing amazing things. But individually and as a church, I think it is an opportunity for us to grow. To grow. Now, if you walked in here and you looked at the wall, and I know some of us have walked in here so many times, we tend to forget, the, I call it the wood on the wall. But that wood on the wall really states who we are and what we're about. And the top one, the one that we try to use to help us figure out what to do and where God's leading us to go is really simple. It's helping people discover and grow in Jesus. Growth is important to who this church is. It is in our DNA. It's important to me. It's in, it should be important to you. And so today we have this unbelievable opportunity. I know it's easy to go, oh, but there's just so much hardship and there's just so much stuff. But you know what? We have an amazing opportunity to grow. But you know what? Here's the thing. Here's the thing as we jump into our notes. It takes courage to grow. You would think that, that, that growth would be something easy. You would think that growth would just be something that happens. One thing I've learned in my life is growth is not an automatic. Age is an automatic. You don't have to do much to get older. You pay, basically, it's real simple. You, you, you do a little bit of eating, do a little bit of breathing, do a little bit of drinking, of water hopefully, and, and, and you wake up, ta-da, you're older. Isn't it great that we celebrate something that we have absolutely nothing to do with? Birthdays. Like, like we go, boy, congratulations, you got a year older. Way to go. Let's celebrate. Seriously? You just stood there. But you know what? We do. And what's interesting is age, you can get older, but you may not be growing. And growth has got to be something that's important. It's got to be something that you think about and plan for. Growth doesn't happen on accident. I wish it did, but it didn't. But you know what? It takes courage to grow. You know, it takes courage to grow because growth always takes place outside of your comfort zone. Growth always takes place outside of your comfort zone. It's always something that is not necessarily easy but it's something that's vital to who God has called you to be. 
Now, here's what's interesting. Is, I don't know if you know this, when we, we, we look at the Gospels and things like that, we, we really have a, a picture of Jesus and his life that is somewhat limited if you really stop and think about it. If you look at the Gospels, we have a couple of situations here, okay? First, we have Jesus' birth, okay? We got Jesus born. We have a couple stories that take place a little bit after his birth. The wise men come, the flee to Egypt. And then when he's 12, we have the story of Jesus. We talked about it last week, Jesus going to the temple and, and, and having those things. And then from there, we don't have anything that really tells us in Scripture about Jesus' life till he's about 30 years old. Old. We have a huge gap. Now listen, I don't know, listen, I was, a, I was a youth pastor for 15 years. I know teenagers and all the fun that goes with teenagers. Can you imagine, think with me, can you imagine teenage Jesus? How was teenage Jesus? I am going to ask Jesus one day, Jesus, seriously, I know you were without sin, obviously that's wonderful, but seriously, what kind of a teenager were you really, you know? What kind of, I mean, now look, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, and, and I don't think this is sinful, but did Jesus ever roll his eyes? Because that seems to be constantly what's going on in a teenager's world. They're all constantly looking up somewhere up here, you know? What was Jesus like? What was Jesus, what was, what was he, because we, we have a big gap, and we do have one scripture where it basically tells us about Jesus's middle age life. From basically the time he was 12 and even earlier to the time he really begins his ministry. We really begin to see Jesus' uh, personality and his work and his ministry really fleshed out. And it's one verse. So I would, I would say this one verse is important. I would say this one verse has some power. And we need to understand exactly what we need to get from this. Because you know what? Jesus had to grow. Jesus grew. And if Jesus grew, we need to grow. Look at Luke 2.52. In Luke 2.52, this is our verse. This is what we get about teenage Jesus and even young adult Jesus and 20-something Jesus. It says, Jesus grew both in body and in wisdom, gaining favor with God and people. Let me read it again. Jesus grew both in body and in wisdom, gaining favor with God and people. Basically, how did Jesus grow? What did Jesus' growth look like during this time? It's really pretty simple. Jesus basically grew mentally, physically. He learned things. He learned, I mean, we, we know that, 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 that Joseph was a carpenter. We know that Jesus was working with his father. He had to learn these things. He grew in stature, one, one translation says, but he also grew in wisdom. He grew in spiritual things. He began to understand more about who his father was, more about who, what his mission was. He had a deep, close relationship with them. And here's what's interesting. As you look at this scripture, as you see there being growth both physically and spiritually, something interesting happens. In those things, while there's growth, while there's maturity, while there is a, a moving towards something great, you see a favor taking place, not just with God, which is obviously the most important, but with people. But with people. Jesus gains these things. Listen, the byproduct of growth is favor. 
The byproduct of growth is favor. But the problem sometimes is, is we demand the favor of God before we're willing to put in the work to grow into who God's called us to be. Now, I'm not talking about favor in the idea or the concept of, of forgiveness or grace. Those things are given to us not because of how, what we do or even because of what we grow, because of who Jesus is in us. But listen, I believe that there is levels of favor that God wants to pour out on each and every one of us to accomplish the goals and the mission that God's called us to do. But you know what? That'll come as we grow. Makes sense. Listen, my son is seven years old. If he continues to mature and grow, he should have a deeper level of, of responsibility when he's 16 versus when he's 7. If my son is 16 years old or 17 years old and he wants to drive a car, but he still has the maturity level of a 7-year-old, guess where those keys are going to stay? In my pocket. Some of us look at God and we say, God, Father, I want to drive a car spiritually. And God's saying, listen, you can't even touch the pedals yet. You're not growing. We want to do great things. And what's awesome is God wants to do great things in us and through us. But if go back into the analogy, we got to be able to touch the pedals. Growth gets us there. Growth brings us to that place where favor can be unleashed in our lives. And it's something we need to understand. It's something that we need to understand about who, about the kind of the, the, the trend, or not the trend, the, the path of how God works these things in us. It's interesting to me that, that Jesus didn't start his ministry at 16. He started at 30. He had to grow. He had to experience life a little bit, even Jesus. And, and, and we see this also, this favor and this idea in, in one of the Psalms that we all know and we all appreciate, but we're going to break it down because sometimes it, it, we, we, if we start doing all the stuff in the middle, which is very important, we miss the first and the last. Sometimes that's what we need to look at. So let's look at that together. Psalms 23. In Psalms 23, 1, it's, like I said, we all know this. We've all heard it, or at least most of us have, and this is what it says. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. Isn't that wonder? Isn't that a comfort right now? The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Now listen, if we can make God our shepherd, if we can make Jesus our shepherd, there is a promise that is intertwined through all of this. It starts with the understanding that God will provide all that we need, but then it goes on to the last. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. You know what's interesting is I have met, and I've done it too, I've met so many people that spend literally their life pursuing good things. Pursuing good, I'm not even, I'm not even saying bad things. Good things. And they are pursuing, I mean, they are going after some good stuff. Whatever it is. And you know what I found about pursuing good things? That'll wear you out. That'll tire you out really, really, really quickly. But you know what this verse is telling us? When we, listen, this is important. You need to catch this. When we allow Jesus to be our shepherd, when we, when we focus on what we need to focus in on, the growth and the following of Jesus... We don't have to pursue good things. 
good things will pursue us. Did you get that? Listen, it's in your notes. Instead of spending all your time and energy trying to go after good things, good things will spend all its time and energy coming after you. Scripture tells us, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things will come. But you know what we think? We think, you know what, I, I, I got to go get me those things. I got to go get the stuff. I got to go get the good things. And Jesus is saying, listen, if you will just grow, if you will just focus in on those things and seeking me and knowing me and experiencing me, you're not going to have to go find them because they're going to come find you. That's an amazing promise. That's a promise that we need to grab a hold of. And understand in our lives today, especially in the culture, in the world that we live in. But you know what? I need to be honest with you. If we're going to look at growth, we've got to have a look at the whole package. And here's the thing. Growth comes wrapped a lot of times in a season of testing. In a season of testing. Growth doesn't just happen all the time. A lot of times... It comes in times where God is saying, it's time, it's, I'm testing you, I'm looking at this, I'm, I'm doing all these things to build these things up. Look at James 1. In James 1, verses 2 and 4, this is what James writes. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind, kind come your way, consider it an opportunity, there's that word again, for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. And now let's jump, jump on a little bit further down to James 1.12. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation afterwards they will receive the crown of life that god has promised to those who love him listen and hear me every test is an opportunity for growth so we should use the test to grow use the test to grow Use that moment as an opportunity. And I know it's hard because we want to focus in on how hard the test is sometimes. We want to sit there and go, oh, I, I, I don't like this. This is hard. I get it. Nobody, nobody really likes tests. But it's an opportunity. It's a great opportunity to grow in those tests. Listen, um, I, I, I remember this when I was in school, and I never did it. And I know some kids, uh, some kids my age did it. And so I had to kind of look it up to kind of make sure I understood it. And so I think this is right. But, but have you ever heard of, of auditing? I can't say it. Auditing. I literally can't say it. You think I'm joking right now. I literally cannot say this word. Someone help me, please. Auditing? Auditing. I get it. Auditing a class. Okay, look, this means yes. Okay, this means no. Help me. Okay. Auditing. Did I get it right? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Auditing. Okay. What is auditing? Okay. It's basically you go to class. Okay. You sit there. You get, you read the book. You sit in with the lecture. You learn all the stuff. But listen, you don't get credit for the class. Why don't you get credit for the class? 
Simple. You don't have to take the tests. You don't get credit because you don't have to take the tests. And I, I, I literally looked because I was want to make sure that I understood that correctly. And I, I actually found, because of course the internet has everything on it, and I found a little website talking about auditing classes. Oh, I said it right. And all the things and why it was so wonderful. And I literally found this quote. And I want to read it to you because this has nothing to, you know, this person that wrote this had thought nothing about what they were writing. They thought about auditing classes, but this is what this person wrote. Auditing can also be seen as, as risk-free education. One that allows students to learn without fear of a low grade or missed participation points. That's what auditing classes. That doesn't sound at all like some Christians I know, does it? But I don't want the test. I may not pass the test. I don't like, listen, listen, here's the thing you need to understand. Tests are risky propositions. Why? Because at the end of the test, you get a grade. You get to figure out where you are and understanding the, the, the situation. And a lot of Christians, listen, they have all the information, but they don't want to use it and apply it and actually learn from it and grow from it. We don't like that. We want risk-free situations in our lives. We want to look at these things and say, you know what? I don't, I don't want that pressure. Listen, hear my heart on this. We know lots of stuff in the Bible, and that's awesome. But we need to start taking what we know, going through the test, so that we can be used by God in a greater way than we ever have before. Look, here's what's great about God. You go, but Aaron, I'm not, I'm not ready for the test. I'm not ready to get graded. You know what? I don't know if we ever will be. And here's what's awesome, is God doesn't look at us and go, you, you messed up, you didn't do the test exactly perfect, you're out, you're done, you're gone. He uses it as an opportunity to lovingly correct us and lovingly help us grow into who he's called us to be. So this year has been a year of testing. Listen, I don't see the test ending, ending, ending anytime soon. So we can either go through it or we can grow through it. And I think that God has called us as a church and as individuals to grow through this time. So listen, we're going to go real application this morning. We're going to go really, really simple almost because I want us to, to look at these things and apply these things, okay? And so we're going to look at three things, three areas where we all need to grow this year. I use the word all on purpose because no matter where we are, no matter how mature we are, we can always grow more. Okay, so these are some things that we can look at that we need to be doing during this season of testing, during this season of setbacks, during this season of our world. Number one, we need to grow in our faith. Okay, we need to grow in our faith. Okay, and again, I, I, like I said, I really wanted to make this really simple. I wanted this to be things you could write down and have, and, and so that you could almost, as almost like check boxes, you know, like, okay, am I doing this? Am I, am I, am I doing these things? Because, and so each one of these basically have the same concept. How do I grow in my faith? How do I grow in my faith? Number one, learn to listen. Okay? Learn to listen to what God is wanting to communicate to you. Is that easy? No, it's really not. But it's vital. And here's the thing. We talked about this before. The more you listen, the more you understand, 
the more you hear your father's voice, the easier it is to start to hear and recognize it. But sometimes we don't want to start the process. We're afraid that we'll maybe hear the wrong thing or God will ask us to do something we don't want to do. So instead of really listening to what God is saying, maybe through the word or through prayer or, 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 or whatever, we tend to do this spiritually. You see, I don't have any idea how loud I'm speaking right now. Hopefully I'm not hurting your ears. But we do this because we think this will somehow keep us from being required to be obedient to what God's asked us to do. The problem is, is God doesn't look at us and say, listen, hey, listen, if you club, if, if you, if you basically keep your ears closed, you won't be held accountable for what I've asked you to do. We've got to learn to listen. And here's what's great. God wants to speak to you. Do you get that? Let me, let me. The God that spoke the very worlds into existence. The God that said, let there be light. And there was. Wants to talk to you. Well, Aaron, I'm not worthy. Nonsense. Lie from the pit of hell. God wants to talk. God wants to hear the cry of your heart. And here's what's great. He wants to speak back to every single one of us. But we got to learn to listen. And that is, listen, that learning to listen is something that if you haven't started, can start today and doesn't ever end. But we got to learn. It's a process. But also, not only do we need to learn to listen, we need to do the second part of that, and that's learn to obey. We need to learn to obey to what we hear. And sometimes those are scary things or they're hard things, but God has asked us to learn to obey. We're not just hearers of the word. We are doers of the word. So simple, okay? When you think about your growth, are you listening and are you obeying? Okay? Are you listening? Are you obeying? Number two, next thing, we need to grow in our relationships. We need to grow in our relationships. I had a, uh, a friend, of, well, he was a professor of mine in college, and we were very close, and, and he taught me this, he told me this, and, and well, I'll get to that in just a second, but let, let's look at what we need to do to grow in our relationships. Number one, we need to invest the time, okay? We need to invest the time. Now, let's go back to my professor. He used to tell me, he said, Aaron, he said, do you know how love is spelled? And I say, yeah, even though I had a feeling it was a trick question. He goes, T-I-M-E. You see, we want relationships with people, but a lot of times we're not willing to put the time in that is necessary to make that happen. And listen, I, and we need, unfortunately, we need to be a little more specific here. Time is not two people sitting at a table on their phones, okay? That's, that's being in close proximity to people, but not necessarily spending time. It's, it's putting that phone down and having quality time, okay? Like, I, I've, I've, I've talked to people, you know, well, well listen, Aaron, I, don't, I, I work and I have a very demanding job that takes me away from my family or my kids and all this sort of stuff, so I just don't have the amount of time. And I always say, listen, sometimes it's not about the amount, it's about the quality of the time that you have, 
whether it be with your wife, your husband, your kids, your friends, you've got to be willing to invest the time. And I use the word invest on purpose because when you invest time, you are going to see some great returns in your relationships. But you've got to be willing to do that. Invest the time. The second thing is build the trust. You've got to build the trust. I heard it said once that trust is the currency of relationships. One of the reasons why relationships die in a lot of ways, hear me, is we write, you know, basically checks of trust that the other person just can't cash. And relationships will be destroyed because of a lack of trust. And trust is something that has to be built. Trust has to be something that takes time. But hear me here, trust can be rebuilt. But listen, whether you're the one that, that maybe broke the trust or you're the one that needs that trust to be rebuilt, it's important that we understand that we invest that time. And hear me here. Listen, because sometimes we always talk about the side that basically says, oh, well, well, this person hurt me, so they need to build this trust back. And, and, and I understand that. But I want to speak specifically to those that maybe have been hurt. And what we tend to do, unfortunately, in our relationships is we basically say, you need to build this trust and make it so astronomically impossible to meet that eventually the person trying to build it says, you know what, I'm done. I'm tired. I can't do this anymore. And then the person that is hurt looks at the person and goes, see, I told you you really didn't love me. See, I told you you really didn't do these things. So Aaron, what do we do? Simple. Simple. You, you offer the same amount of grace to others as you demand for yourself. Knowing that we're still learning. Knowing that trust is a rebuilding thing. But listen, if you want to have relationships one way or another, it's going to take time and it's going to take trust. The final thing. Grow in your church. Grow in your church. How do you grow in your church? How do you grow in your church? Now listen. This, this can be really twofold here, okay? I think it covers both. When I say grow in your church, I'm meaning two things. I'm meaning number one is individuals, okay? But I'm also talking about our church family. You see, I believe God has great things, and God is going to do great things. And I believe very strongly that there are people that are going to be a part of those great things. People are going to get saved. That people are going to experience freedom that have never walked in these doors yet, but they're coming. And God has called us to help bring them here. Okay? So this is growing all of those areas, and we need to understand that. So how do we grow in our church? Two things I think we need to focus in on. Number one, you've got to get planted. You've got to get planted. Okay? A lot of people today are potted in the church. Now, what's the difference between potted and planted? It's real simple. Emily did a really wonderful, awesome thing for me, even though it was for all of us, but I'm going to take it as me. She grew tomatoes over the summer. Oh, I love me some good backyard-grown garden tomatoes. And we had two different sets of things. In the tomatoes, we used buckets, okay? We planted or pl potted, that's a better word, we potted the tomato plants into the buckets, but we also built a, a, a raised bed that was very large, for me anyway, and heavy. And then we had these things growing outside. 
And then just because we live in Colorado, we would watch the weather and guess what? We would, we would hear, oh no, oh no, oh no, there's a hailstorm coming, which would destroy my tomatoes. So what did we do? We would go out, we would grab the buckets of tomatoes and bring them into the house and set them there. But you know what we couldn't do? We couldn't lift the planted other things that were in the raised bed. We couldn't. Now you go, well, but, but that was safer. You saved the tomatoes when the hail came. Listen, to understand all of this, you've got to remember something. Tests and struggles are going to come. Hail storms are going to come. They're going to hit you. They're going to hit churches. They're going to hit groups. And when it happens, I see it all the time. People go to their bucket. They lift themselves up. They go away. It's safe here. You know, Jesus never called us to be safe. You know, anytime you're with people and human beings, it's not safe. But we want to grab our bucket and run away. There's a difference between being planted and being potted. And a lot of times it really goes down to when it gets tough, when it's going hard and it's not perfect, are you willing to say, nope, this is where God's planted me? And look, hear my heart on this. Like, like I know that there's some people that are online every week, and we love you. And, and you're there for... For, for medical reasons, or... I, I love online church. I love it. I think it's awesome that we actually have it. And, and so I know that there's, there's circumstances. I know there's people out, out of town. I know there's people right now that are, don't even live in our state that are watching this and are part of our service. And I think that's awesome. So please don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. But I, I've heard this comment, and I've literally made this comment. You know what? It's so much easier to go to online church. Like that's some revelation, meaning it's easier to wake up, grab your phone and turn it on than it is to get up, get dressed and come to church. But, but th there's a mindset that we need to switch on this. Okay. And again, understanding, I love online church, but you know what? Church was never and has never been about watching. You get that? Church has never been about watching. Jesus didn't say, you are the church. How, do you, how are you the church? We watch. We watch. It's like a television show. You know, I don't know what we'd call this one. I'd be afraid to know what you'd call this one. But you know what? And, and look, I understand. We need, it. we need this stage, okay? It, it helps. You know, everybody's raised up. All the equipment's in here. All that fancy stuff. We, we need a stage. But you've got to really understand something. This is not really the stage. That's the stage. That's the stage. What are you doing with the talents and the giftings that God has given you? Not just here, but out there. And sometimes we have to understand that. And one of the ways that we can do that is by being a part. Listen, we're going we're gonna to hand out candy in bags with Easter eggs to people that that are going to have probably Easter egg hunts anyway. And tell them about Jesus and tell them about our church. We can all do that. We can all give a bag of candy. But will we? Listen, hear my heart on this. I, I have 
and it scares me at times, the things that God has spoken to me about what he wants to do in us and through us. Listen, if you want to get scared half to death, come invite me to coffee and ask me. Tell, Aaron, tell me what God's telling you about our church. I'll scare you half to death of all the things that I believe God's called us to do. But listen, hear me here. It doesn't matter how bad I want it. What really matters is how bad you want it. I'll partner with you. We'll be a part of what God wants us to do. But I promise you this. This is simple math. God's going to do greater, more incredible, life-changing things with all of us, not just a pastor. All of us. We need each other we need to be planted. The final thing, and it kind of goes into what I've been sharing, we need to fish for people. We need to fish for people. And listen, when you, you need to understand something here. When Jesus said this, when he said, come be a fisher of men, you have to remember who Jesus was speaking to. Because what we've tended to do is we've taken fishing and we've put our American Western idea of what fishing is, okay? What's fishing today? It's relaxing. It's vacation. It's, it's a river runs through it. That's not what fishing was to the people who heard Jesus say that. Fishing was hard work. It was labor. It was throwing nets over and dragging them and tending and working. It was a job. Now, I know people do it for a job today, but it's, it's, it's different. We sometimes think, oh, I'm going to be a fisher of men. <laughs> Isn't it beautiful out here? Yeah. <sighs> Can I have a sandwich? Okay. <sighs> Isn't this nice? Do I have a fish? Uh, no. Okay. Fishing for people is different. I'm honest with you here. Than just throwing a line out and saying, well, let's see if they'll bite. It's an active thing. You see, the difference is in the first one, we throw the line out and we wait for someone to come to the line. You realize that when they fished, they were moving the boat to where the fish were. We tend to think, well, we'll just sit here in our church and just throw lines out and see what happens instead of going out and fishing for people. Look at Matthew 9, 35. This is an important verse. Jesus traveled throughout all the towns and villages of the area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. Look at verse 36. When he saw the crowds, remember, he's going to them. He's going to where they are. He's going to where they live. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Listen and hear me. I don't mean this as a negative. I don't mean this trying to be a jerk when I talk about people that don't know Jesus. But has there ever been a time in our world where we could look at people that need to know Jesus and could say about them, oh my goodness, they're so confused. They're so confused. Jesus looked at them and had compassion. And then he says to his disciples, who are his disciples? You and me. If we're following Jesus, he's speaking this to us. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. 
So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. Another translation uses the word instead of workers, laborers. What's it trying to communicate? It's basically communicating that, listen, if you're going to be a part of the harvest, there's work to be done. It's time to fish for people with the compassion that Jesus has. Listen, not the look and go, boy, you know those people that don't, well, they're just so stupid. How dumb are they? Do they, you know, they do this or that or whatever? God forgive us. The compassion, literally the word in the Greek of that compassion is like the strongest word the Greek language has for literally caring about people. And Jesus looks and he goes, look at everyone around you. You ever go to the mall, the airport? Just, just you know, I know it's harder now, but places that are just a bunch of people. Has it ever walked through your mind, I wonder how many of these people don't know Jesus? Because when Jesus saw the crowds, he said the harvest is plentiful. Listen, this may be simple just because there's more people on this planet than there ever has been. The harvest is greater than it has ever been. But listen, I don't think there's a lot of workers. I think there's a lot of Christians I think there's a lot of pastors. I don't know if there's a lot of laborers. And Jesus said, I don't need just people that profess to follow me. I need people that are willing to get their hands dirty and get to work. And that's what fishing does. And it isn't easy. But it's a part of our growth. And it takes courage to do those things. But here's the thing. If the worship team wants to come up, I know sometimes that, you know, in situations like this, you know, I, you know you're kind of preaching to the choir, and I get that, because I know so many of you are so faithful and, and, and are growing and all those things. I know that. And so I don't want you to walk out of here, oh, boy, I'm not. Listen, no matter where you are in your growth, on your growth journey, listen, hear me here. God loves you. And God's got great things in store for you. But God loves you so much. He's like, listen, I, this is where you're at and that's great. But listen, I got more. I got more for you. But we don't want to walk out of here discouraged because I know that we're working and I know that we're doing and I know that we could do even more with God's help. So I want to leave you with Galatians 6, 9. Let's all remember this. So let's not get tired of doing what is good and at just the right time at just the right time we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up i want to encourage you this morning to grow i want to encourage you to not give up because i know in my life as well there are times where you're just you just get tired you just it's just one of those things it just happens and we have this from paul we have this 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 promise listen just don't give up don't get weary and listen if you're gonna get weary get weary and doing bad stuff so we don't do them anymore but when we're doing what god's called us to do and we're growing in him don't get weary of those good things because there's a harvest that's coming. 
There's blessings that are coming. There's favor even greater than we've ever experienced. That is coming if we won't give up. You see, here's the thing. We want to grow this church, not so this church's name becomes great, but so that people come to find Jesus. Remember what we're all about. Discover. Discover. And grow. And one of the greatest ways that we can be used to the potential that God's called us to be is to keep growing ourselves. I heard somebody once say, and I've always remembered this, healthy things grow and live and sick things die. You want to look at how your life is, where you're at. I gave you some real practical things, but just real simply, are you healthy and growing or sick and dying? You go, and if you're healthy and growing, awesome. Keep going, keep going, keep going. If you're sick, you know, I, I know a Jesus who healed all sorts of diseases. I know a Jesus who spoke to dead things and they became alive again. Jesus can heal your sickness and bring you to life if you'll let him. So no matter where you are, no matter where you are, you can grow. If sometimes it'll be big steps, sometimes little steps, but you will grow if you let that take place in your heart. Father, we come to you right now. And God, sometimes it can be so hard to grow. We have to get out of our comfort zone. And, and, and sometimes it's easier just to say nothing or do nothing. But God, that's not what you called us to do. You called us to, to, to work on our faith and spend time with you in, in prayer and in Bible reading and in and, and, and time with you and time with others and building trust and fishing for people and getting planted. Father, all these things are things that we can begin today to do to grow. Father, sometimes we get the order mixed up. We think that it'll just kind of happen magically. And what ends up happening is in a year or two, we look back on our lives and we may have grown in age, but in spiritual maturity, we're still where we were two years ago. And God, that's just not acceptable in our world today. We won't survive, spiritually speaking, if we do that. But God, you called us all to grow. You will help us all to grow. You will work in us all to grow. We had a series not too long ago, and it simply said, it said, you know, God wants you to grow, and God will help you to grow. Father, we talk a lot about growth here because I know it is an important part of our walk with you. It changes everything. But Father, I would be remiss if I didn't also remember what our first part of our mission statement was, and that's discover. And so Father, if there's anybody here where they say, you know, I'm not growing because I'm not living. <laughs> I'm not healthy. I, I, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. 
Or maybe I did at one point, but I've kind of done my own thing for a while. Father, we can't grow if we're not alive. And we only find life in you because you are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through you. And so, Father, right now, I pray if there's anyone here within the sound of my voice, online or in person, who doesn't know you, that hasn't accepted you, that they would know they could do that right now. Scripture tells us all we have to do is believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he came, he died, he rose for our sins and accept that and we become a new creation. All the old dead things are gone and passed away and behold, all things are new. We could pray that and know that you hear. So whether we're coming alive to grow for the first time or we've been saved for a long time, but it's time to step up our growth. It's time to step up our giving. It's time to step up our servanthood. It's time to step up our study. Whatever it is, Father, that we would begin to step up in you and allow you to do in us what you desire to do. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You know, normally, you know, I, I invite the worship team up because we, we sing a closing song. And I'm going to ask the worship team to just continue to play, but we're not going to do a song in closing this morning. Instead, I just feel like God is is asking me and calling me in this moment to pray over you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Father, I come to you right now humbled that you have called me to lead this group, this family. And Father, as standing on that truth and on that authority, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I proclaim blessing and favor and growth over every single individual that can hear my voice. I don't care if it's today or a year from now. Father, I prophesy growth in these individuals. Father, I prophesy for there to be miracles that take place. That lives would be changed. That, that relationships would be restored between husbands and wives and children and parents and friends and relatives in schools and in homes and in workplaces and in churches, Father. 
I proclaim a season of growth, a season of harvest, a season of laboring, a season of work, and a season of blessing over every individual that's here. That, Father, we would, instead of just sitting by, we would pick up the sickle and we would begin to work in the harvest field that you have placed every single one of us in because the harvest is plentiful. And Father, we cannot pray that you send out harvesters if we are not willing to go and work ourselves. But Father, to accomplish those things, we pray and I pray and declare a new level of maturity in every single individual, a new level of growth in every single person. That, Father, you will use us to make your name great so that many people will grow and discover you in this city and in this area and in this state and in this world. Help us, Father, to make that commitment to you to grow. Give us the courage to grow and get out of our comfort zone. We love you. We thank you. You're so good. You're so good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, God. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. So good. So good. Mm. So good. Thank you, Father. Well, guys, thanks so much for being here. Hope you have a wonderful week. Listen, I'm going to be down front over here to the left. Be um, my left, your right. If you need prayer for anything, whether it's something about the message um, or just anything at all, I'll be down front. want to pray with you. want to agree with you if you need that. But I hope you have a great week. I love you. We'll see the guys hopefully on Tuesday morning. Bring candy and eggs for all that good stuff. We love you. We'll talk to you soon.